and welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Costello. Today, we're joined by Jack Zhang, the co-founder and CEO of Airwallex. Airwallex is a fintech company that revolutionizes the way businesses operate globally. Their financial infrastructure provides a modern technology stack for businesses of all sizes to operate internationally without the challenges of the current global financial system. Airwallex recently raised an extension to their Series E round at a valuation of $5.6 billion. In today's episode, we discuss Airwallex's growth story, how Airwallex built their global money movement infrastructure, AI opportunities, and much more. Hey, Jack, welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. Where are you calling in from today? I'm traveling in Hong Kong, so uh, I'm glad to be able to speak. Very exciting. Uh, to start with, can you give us a quick overview of what Airwallex does? Uh, Airwallex is the global uh, financial and payments platform. It you know, empowers uh, a lot of the global businesses to grow beyond borders. Uh, so we're providing, uh, you know, product from payments uh, and sort of uh, collection effects and payout uh, all the way to embedded finance to, I guess, allow or empower any uh, businesses um, to uh, operating the whole sort of financial and payment stack on top of our platform. For our listeners who might not be that familiar with what Airwallex does, can you tell us a bit more about the range of products and services that you offer? So on the on the business account that we we offer, uh, you know, bank account, corporate card, um, employee card, as well as sort of you know global transfer uh, and bill pay, uh, all the sort of the whole kind of spend management uh, software stack, uh, alongside uh, you know the I guess the the core kind of you know collection holding currencies and you know collecting multiple currencies, holding multiple currencies, and pay out globally. Um, and uh, we also offer payments uh, so that you can integrate in um, our, um, you know, I guess payments product with uh, uh, like like of Shopify or Magento, WooCommerce, etc., so that you can have no code integration to those uh, kind of popular, uh, I guess, uh, platforms uh, for e-commerce or technology companies. Uh, so you you basically have the whole sort of payments and financial stack from I guess. Uh, collecting funds, holding funds, and then um, and then paying our funds globally, and having the software to to managing all the financial operation on top of that as well. On the um, I guess core API, whatever that you, you you need to do on the business account, you can if you want to do a scale. For example, you want to issue thousands of cars. If you want to pay out, uh, you know tens of thousands of, of people globally that you need automate at scale, then you can leveraging the core API to do so. For the embedded finance that we generally focus on uh, kind of three, uh, I, I guess, use cases, you know, payment for platforms. So generally, uh, a software company or marketplace want to build embedded payments product for that customer. They can leveraging that that product. And if they wanted to, or customer wanted to, you know, like embedding money movement into the core product, which we call Global Treasury, uh, you know, uh, customer like Brex or Rippling, leveraging that product to expand globally. Uh, all that if you wanted to uh, do banking and the servers, right? So we have customers and then startups uh, wanted to build like global neo bank or, or, or domestic um, uh, a banking product that you can uh, leveraging our bank and the servers product to creating bank account issue card and moving around money domestically and then also internationally as well. What was the inspiration for wanting to start the company? We started the company in 2015. So at a time, 
Um, you know, I, I, I worked in um, investment bank uh, or on, a, on the trading floor um, for about eight years. Um, and also at that time, I invested in a, a coffee shop uh, with, with my friend. And uh, my friend is actually operating the coffee business and we're looking at to, I guess, uh, expand the business. And so we were uh, importing a lot of the raw materials uh, around the world, um, like beans, et cetera. We also um, uh, importing packages uh, from, from China and making payments. It's very expensive uh, and uh, inefficient, also very slow. Um, and um, the, you know that we thought uh, there must be a better way uh, of making payments cross-border. And then um, that's kind of how we started the business initially. Um, so you know, instead of building the coffee shop, we, we, you know, I uh, resigned from a job and then started the, the company. And I'd love to hear more about your growth story. So like you've built your own proprietary global money movement infrastructure. Can you talk us through like what this infrastructure looks like and how your team went about building it? Um, so we started the company initially building, um, you know, FX and then payout infrastructure by integrating with the local clearing infrastructure in every single country. Um, so we we need to, um, you know, getting licenses uh, locally, uh, generally regulated by the central bank in that in that local jurisdiction, so that that we can partner. Um, you know, either we we join the, um, the 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 payment scheme directly, or we partner with a bank, financial institution uh, in that jurisdiction to access the local payment network. Uh, then we just sort of build integration with a local financial partner um, and then to access the local payment method. But then we, integra- we integrate them into a, into a global network. You know, if you think about SWIFT, which is built in the you know, 1970s, uh, you know, built on top of many, many correspondent bank, uh, creating which a lot of inefficiency and, and speed issues. Um, and, uh, you know, because that our infrastructure able to go directly, uh, to the local payment method without any intermediary, we are able to operating, you know, extremely fast and, and convenient for our customer, uh, you know, instead of processing payments, um, you know, with number of days and uh, we are able to do most of our transaction, uh, within, within second, um, you know, even it's, it's cross-border. Um, and then later on that we expanded the infrastructure from just FX and payout to, uh, local uh, collection as well by issuing, um, you know, bank accounts around the world. So now AirWallet is able to uh, issue bank accounts uh, in about 63 countries real time. Um, so that you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, flying to that country to, you know, uh, submit a bunch of paperwork to get account open to, to collecting the funds locally. Now you're able to uh, leveraging a single platform to do that globally. And then we continue to expanding our coverage uh, from the from the collection perspective. And later on that, you know, we, we hear our customer asking for more capabilities like online credit card payments processing um, and also like, you know, pay not just through bank account, but also through card uh, so that we extended our infrastructure to uh, card issuing and um, uh, and and, uh, and credit card payment processing as well so that we can collecting both, you know, through bank account and also, um, you know, through the different kind of credit card and um, like a Visa mask or other schemes and, and uh, wallets uh, and we always also allowed our customer to pay uh, via via card as well so that we can leverage in the visa uh, network globally and I heard that like historically your customer base was predominantly startups marketplaces digital companies and the like is that still true and how do you see your customer base evolving in the future 
I think um, so. E-commerce, uh, you know, technology companies and digital enabled uh, companies are still, uh, you know, most of our customer base. Uh, and we we see more and more sort of traditional businesses also start using uh, our product and services. And we also are building more and more software on top of our uh, financial infrastructure, like you know, um, you know, bill payment software, uh, expense management software. Uh, you know, treasury management software, so that we, um, as as we continue to grow, we start um, you know building fully vertical, integrated um, sort of software on top of our infrastructure to um, you know automate and then and then scale our customers' financial operation globally. So as as we continue to do that, we see more and more uh, you know mid market enterprise customers start using our product, uh, not just on the infrastructure, but also. Uh, using our software product um, to automating that that financial operations um, and then especially at a global scale. And like regarding your global expansion, like Airwallex is one of only a small number of unicorns founded in Australia and has been really successful in expanding globally. How did you approach this global expansion? Like, for example, how did you decide which countries or regions to focus on first? Um, so I think we generally focus on where um, the advanced sort of digital economy and also where the popular cross-border uh, transaction flows for both of the e-commerce and trade perspective. And obviously, uh, you also look at on the supply side and demand side. You know, most of the um, you know the supply chains are sitting in sort of Asia Pacific and now uh, you know reglobalized to some of the Latin America countries and Middle East countries. Uh, getting more diversified from 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 Asia, uh, then we obviously need to expand our our footprint to to those countries. Like you know, for example, recently did a uh, acquisition in Mexico that's you know really try to uh, empower those uh, uh, new kind of supply chain countries. Um, uh, and 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 as as we see more and more supply chain moving from Asia to 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 those countries on the demand side, is really where you know like Australia. Or Japan, or Singapore, Hong Kong, North America, and Europe are the um, sort of the popular, I guess, consumer uh, sort of more advanced consumer markets that we see a lot of advanced sort of digital economy uh, that we need to build. Um, I guess uh, capabilities from a paying perspective, whether it's online payments processing or offline uh, collections through bank account or invoicing. That that's where uh, you know we call operating country. We where we need to build like a full stack software. And infrastructure product, where on the supply chain side, we mainly focus on payout capabilities. What's the biggest challenge you faced with your global expansion? Building a fintech at a global scale like AirWallet is also operating uh, in many, many jurisdictions, including some of these other countries that have very complicated regulatory requirements. And especially we operate in a lot of the uh, APAC countries uh, like China, uh, or Indonesia or, or, or um, uh, Malaysia, so that they have like capital controls and 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 have um, very complicated regulatory requirement that we need to tackling. Uh, also, like you know, language is is another issue. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different uh, languages in Europe and and uh, Latin America as well. So that we we need to uh, build that local capabilities. Uh, and you know, because the language barrier, it kind of make it difficult. Uh, to understand, um, you know, what is going on on the ground, that we we need to build a very distributed, a diversified uh, team that um, have the local knowledge as well. Um, and on the on the technology front, that because uh, the data regulation and sort of security and and data solvency, that uh, we need to have distributed data centers. 
you know, in countries like, you know, India or China, uh, you know, the data it, and also Europe, you have GDPR and, and it just need to make sure that we have data only stored locally or when we actually, you know, propagate the data across the border that we need to make sure we, we comply with, with the data and privacy regulation as well. And because we we operating um, sort of a, a low latency, you know, highly distributed network, uh, that we need to sh make sure our server is sitting where the consumer is making the payment, uh, and that generally require a very low latency. And uh, we need to make sure we have distributed uh, data centers around the world to, um, you know, have the fastest uh, response to 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 the consumer payment as well. So that's um, also quite challenging from a, from an international expansion point of view. Makes sense. Um, and switching gears a little bit, I'd love to talk about like AI and how you're using it at AirWallX. So I know that you recently released a new generative AI tool that uses large language models, LMMs, to like enhance the speed and accuracy of KYC and onboarding. Can you tell us a bit more about this tool and how it works? Uh, yeah, so I think uh, as part of the, um, I guess, KYC onboarding of a customer, uh, especially the businesses, uh, generally need to um, doing like a due diligence on the like the business background. So there's many ways of doing that. You can get the website, social profiles, um, and you can on the, try to understand. You you also kind of coding different databases around the world to understand the credit history of the customer. But one of the most important thing is understand the the business of the customer uh, through the the public profile. Um, and um, and large language model enabled us to understand those business models um, with 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 context and and a scenario. Before you know, we're able to use leveraging large language model. That, for example, we say like champagne, and you know, like on the, on the website, we might think it's like a website selling alcohol, um, but it could be just a champagne color product. That once you put into sort of context, that you're able to understand the business uh, in a more automated uh, fashion so that just reduce the false positive and increasing the, the straight-through processing and that automation percentage of the customer onboarding process. And when you think about AI opportunities for AirWallX, how do you think about prioritizing what tools or areas your team focuses on? I think why is, um, and obviously like just uh, anything that requires natural language processing, or kind of understand, um, you know, how to integrate with AirWallex that we, you know, we can providing better uh, integration support, uh, you know, uh, FAQs that to understand our product, like customer support uh, through both sort of uh, on the on the website and also the in-app customer support when they try to understand how how to use our product. Uh, and the other really big area is reporting um, and analytics, right? So. Um, and because air wallets have ton of data, you know, through like all the, you know, uh, invoicing and, and receivables and also the, 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 the payables as well, uh, essentially the end to end sort of finance data that could sitting on top of our platform. Um, and if you look at the finance team of our customer, they spent a lot of time doing ad hoc analysis and, and everything uh, can be much more efficient if we're building an AI-driven uh, analytic uh, sort of tool sitting on top of platform to empower our customer to understand the transaction, uh, whether it's expense data or, you know, reimbursement data uh, or kind of corporate expense data on different softwares uh, that you can want to streamline all these, uh, you know, financial operations that you could uh, uh, really understand that better. Or you want to understand, like, how your website's performing, you know, what is the most popular jurisdictions of your product selling to, uh, you want to understand, you know, what is the most popular payment method. 
and you know, you used to be able to do like, you know, you know, a lot of filters and then, you know, like try to understand what is going on in one dimension. Now you're able to, with sort of general AI tools that we are building, you're able to uh, understand multiple dimensions using, you know, very simple instructions, uh, just giving a kind of a, a kind of a, just a natural language command on like, just give me, you know, all this uh, different data in different dimension and give me the best sort of uh, analysis and recommendation, how to streamline that or, or kind of, um, or reducing fraud, et cetera. So that, that's all kind of really exciting stuff we're, we're looking to build, um, you know, in in a, in a, in, a, in a roadmap. Absolutely, I'm excited to see what you come out with next. We'd also love to get your thoughts on the industry outlook for cross-border payments. So, crypto and blockchain have demonstrated a use case in cross-border payments. What do you think the future of cross-border payments would look like, and how will this impact how AirWallex operates? I don't think crypto gonna play a very big role in in cross-border payment, at least in the, in a, in a regulated fashion. Um, and if you're looking at the, the infrastructure build, we process over a hundred billion, uh, this year, um, you know, by, by December that, uh, over 94% of those transactions through our own proprietary network, right? Only less than 6% still going through Swift. Um, you know, over 70% of those transactions is, is, uh, processed near real time. And we offering, you know, the cost of the, the, the infrastructure is, is, you know, a small friction of the traditional, I guess, wire or, or Swift network, right? So if you look at both from a speed and cost perspective, it's already extremely, uh, you know, fast and, 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 and cheap, right? So, I mean, ultimately that you can't be faster than instant, uh, you, you can't be cheaper than, than, than free. We already, you know, not charging our customers, so that's especially for SME customers, any cross-border transaction fee. We're only charging a transparent, transparent FX fee, right? Which is on top of the the interbank uh, price. Um, if you're looking at like from a from a trading point of view, the the spread of cryptocurrency trading uh, is extremely inefficient, uh, or the spread is extremely large compared to uh, the the G10 currencies. That's largely driven by the liquidity in the market. I don't think ever crypto going to have the same level of, of efficiency uh, from a liquidity perspective compared to the fiat currency like US dollar or sterling. Um, so from a, from a cost point of view, it's very hard for crypto to competing with, uh, with, with the, 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 the GTN currency. And, and from a network point of view that we already, you know, process largely kind of near real time. So I also don't think you can go faster either. So if the cost and speed is already the best, what actually the problem you are solving apart from you know you want to keep the transaction anonymous uh and which largely used for illegal and non-compliant transactions um i actually don't see a need of this type of innovation like in in, in cross-border payments uh they are like you know cryptocurrency is a good alternative asset to to gold or, or you know you want to you know hedge inflation or or uh, especially for the exotic currencies that, you know, you, you, you like with, especially with war and then stuff that you want to, uh, you know, hedge, hedge against the local currency that you could use cryptocurrency to do that. And at the end of the day, I look at a cryptocurrency as a digital, uh, digitalized product. Um, and that's, you know, many things can be digitalized in the future. And I think that that's exciting, but I just, just kind of looking at just cross-border payment itself. I don't think that's 
much space for for cryptocurrency to to innovate. Makes sense. Um, how do you see the industry evolving in the future? Then, I think in the in the overall, I guess, financial service industry. If you think about, you know, the the opportunity is is in, in sort of fintech or financial services still massive, right? It's one of the very few kind of trillion dollar sort of revenue pools out there still haven't been, um, I guess, uh, fully innovated yet that, you know, the tens of thousands of traditional banks still dominating this space. And there's plenty of room, um, you know, for for uh, fintech to play a much important role. Um, the the I, I, look, I think in the, in the next decade, there'll be, you know, a dozen fintech that um, leveraging the technology, uh, leveraging AI, to become much, much bigger businesses than what is today. I think the the, the journey of, of fintech innovation only just started in the last, um, I guess, five to 10 years. And uh, and I will see the the innovation, the speed of innovation gonna only be accelerating in the, in the next decade. Um, you know, anything from, uh, you know, cross-border to, to domestic uh, online payments processing to, uh, you know, fully uh, integrated um, uh, financial service product into the, the water uh, you know, uh, ecosystem. I talk about embedded finance, which is something super exciting. Uh, that you know, a lot of the marketplaces, platforms, and uh, software providers able to embed in payments and uh, fintech product into that ecosystem. Uh, a lot of the consumer platform able to able to do that as well, right? So we see, you know, Uber issue uh, a consumer card, which is a good example of how that could, could happen. Um, and I just think that's going to be more and more that ecosystem play. Um, in the future. And where do you see Airwall X five years from now? I think in, in five years, we will be the, I guess, the best payments and financial platform for uh, global businesses to operate uh, and then grow. Uh, and um, and then we will, you know, the global businesses around the world able to leverage our platform to creating a lot more efficiencies uh, to operate in the business uh, from a payments and, uh, and then finance perspective. And you talked a bit about that shift towards like an ecosystem play. I'd love to hear about, I guess, how your current offering is positioned to help with that and that, and also how you think you might build upon that to continue to support businesses. Yeah. So I think if you're looking at the way the air wallets are built, we took like an infrastructure first approach. Uh, the, the benefit of doing that only in the infrastructure is we allow uh, not us, only us able to build software on top. We also allow our partners to, to building software on top. Uh, or that allow us to very easily to to partner with other software companies, right? So, you know, for example, that you know we would able to um, you know build you know this this we call like a FinOS um, and and marketplace allow uh, you know our our partners to offering a payroll product to our customer. Um, you know, there's lending company to providing lending services to our customer, the FP&A softwares or, or or tax software to our customer. So that's uh, we're gonna we kind of gradually open up that ecosystem more and more. Uh, our partners able to uh, you know work with us together to to servicing uh, our customer base and the water ecosystem as well. And like, how do you think about partnering? Like, would you be looking to kind of I guess have some existing provider that you work with and like sort of co-sell this solution as part of what Airwallex offers? Yeah, so we we already have, for example, in in lending, we're already working with uh, you know our startup called WeFlyer to uh, issuing. Uh, so they are revenue based financing company. They 
uh, lend money to our customers through a OAuth integration. So customers uh, log into AirWallet platform, go to the connection sort of app, they're able to see different uh, different partners, like whether it's lending or payroll uh, or uh, automation. So they, they're able to basically click that directly, that through the OAuth connectivity, uh, they're able to uh, operate um, in, in a sort of seamless fashion uh, with, with our partners. So they, they do that already today. And I think later on that we're just going to make it more, I guess, uh, expandable and, um, and, and, and make it like easier for, for other partners to just uh, work with us in a self-serve fashion. Thinking about your future product roadmap and partnership plans, are there any focus areas that you're most excited about? Um, I think we really excited about the the e-commerce uh, ecosystem. You know, for example, we, you know, working with uh, you know a, a company called Open Borders that, which is a merchant record that aggregating like logistics services and tax services together with the payment services uh, for e-commerce customer to sell globally. Uh, that you know we don't, you know, like offer this aggregation service directly, but able we able to partner with our infrastructure with. Uh, this Pacific company to to servicing our customer together, so that this is like a very good example of of servicing the the e-commerce um, sort of ecosystem, and we have similar uh, I guess ambitions in in the other vertical as well. Uh, when it come to like offline payments or uh, you know we see a lot of opportunity in the electrical car space, for example, there's uh, fully integrated digital uh, charging stations that um, that we're able to embedding our payments part to offline. Uh, you know, ecosystem uh, in the in the in in the in the e- electricity cost space. So you know, there's a lot of these different examples in in different industries and vertical. Uh, we're looking at embedding our our infrastructure into. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'm excited to see what you do there. Um, that was all the questions that I had for today. So thank you for joining us for the interview. Cool. Thank you, Cuddy. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton Fintech Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and give us a follow on social media. We appreciate the support and hope that you'll continue to spread the word to more listeners. If you'd like to keep up with all the content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Medium at Wharton Fintech, where you'll be able to find articles, interviews, and much more analyzing all aspects of the fintech industry. As always, thank you to our editor, Rafael Austria, and until next time, this is your host, Kaylee Costello.